Hey, thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope that you'll be able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope that this message will be an inspiration to you and that you'll find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. As we jump into this uh, word, uh, my heart is in the right place. So just so you know, as we talk about this, this resource, uh, I'm, I'm sharing this for, for your benefit. You'll hear that. that that's something we've, we've said a lot of times through the years. Um, you know, what, whatever you do in this area really doesn't have a, a, a direct effect on me or my, my lifestyle or anything like that. It's just, it just doesn't work like that. Uh, people get confused about that. Matter of fact, I've heard people say this, and maybe you've heard it too. I'm going to ask you in a moment if you've heard people say this. I'm not going to ask if you've said it because I don't want to know if you said it. But, uh, but I've heard people say this statement. I've heard people say, well, all the church talks about is money. Anybody ever heard anybody say that? Anybody heard that? Yeah. Uh, I've heard people say that, oh, they just want your money. All they talk about is money. And that's just not true. I, I mean, I guess it could be true of some church somewhere that I've never heard of, but I'm imagining that they're uh, their, their numbers are pretty small, if literally that's all they're talking about. That's, of course, not all we talk about. Um, but you know what we talk about? We talk about life. We talk about what the Word of God has to say for us as we're trying to live a life that honors God. So that means we're going to cover relationships, and we're going to cover holiness, and we're going to cover uh, sin, and we're going to talk about um, forgiveness, and we're going to talk about um, ministry and being involved. And we're going to talk about all these different things, but including in all these different things... We're going to talk about our resource because the Bible talks a lot about our resource. So for us to not talk about it would be to ignore a significant portion of scripture that is talking about it. Did you know that there are over 500 verses in the Bible that talk about prayer? Y'all thought I was going to say money. No, there's over 500 that talk about prayer. There's almost 500 verses in the Bible that talk about faith. And did you know, though, that there are over 2,000 scriptures in the Word of God that talk about a person's money and their resource? It's almost as if God was saying, this could be a bit of an issue. Like, this has the tendency, this has a potential to be an issue for some of you. So I'm gonna make sure that we're talking about this a lot. So because the word of God talks about it a lot, I mean, Jesus, even in his uh, uh, 16 of his 38 parables, he talked about money. Matter of fact, 15% of everything that Jesus talked about in, in the scripture relates to the topic of money and possessions. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six verses talk about money. Even going into this, this weekend's message, I was praying. I said, God, I want to talk about the heart. I just want to talk about the heart this weekend. And Jesus said to me, if you want to talk about, if you want to find their hearts, he said, look in their money. Now, it's kind of like, it made me think of my dog because um, we have a, a dog and our, our family's name's Blue. He's everybody's favorite member of the family. And he's usually, to be honest with you, he's usually around me or my wife. If we're in one room, he's usually right there with us. And if we change rooms, he usually goes into whatever room we're in. But there are times when he's not with us and we'll go, well, where's Blue? And anytime that happens, if we want to find Blue, 
You know what we do? We look for the food. That means somebody in the house somewhere is eating something, and that means he is perched right up next to them, probably with his uh, chin right on their knee, just looking all cute and uh, cuddly, and, uh, and he does it because it works. You know, like, I gotta be honest, the people have, and so sometimes he'll be upstairs, and if he's upstairs, we go, okay, Find blue, got to find the food. He's up there because somebody has taken some food up there and he's up there sitting next to him. Well, it's kind of like Jesus was saying that. And somebody may say, Jesus didn't really say that to you. He didn't say, if you want to find their uh, heart, look in their money. He didn't say that. He did. He actually, he did say it to me and he said it to you. It's in, it's in the book of Matthew chapter six, verse 21. Matthew chapter six, verse 21. He said, for where your treasure is, and we'll pause right there, where your treasure is, this word that gets translated treasure, it does hold the meaning of money, of silver, of gold. It, it does mean that, but it also uh, carries with it the meaning of valuables, um, what's of value to us, our, our priorities. It, it holds the, the meaning of what's important to us. And so I have here on the stage an actual authentic treasure chest. I mean, it's as authentic as you can get at Party City, but it is an authentic <laughs> treasure chest. And, uh, and it represents, obviously, right? It represents money for each one of us, but it represents all kinds of different things. As a matter of fact, if this was your treasure chest, if it was what was valuable, important, and if it represented your priorities, and I were to open it and I were to start to pull stuff out, it might look different than somebody else's. So I might pull out of here, for some of you, I may pull out a set of car keys and go, oh, okay, your car is one of your most treasured possessions. And, uh, and then I might pull out somebody else, it might be a, a home, a, a house key. Oh man, it's my house, that's, your, that's, that's what's important, that's important to you. And maybe on that house key, there's a second key. What's this? Oh, that's the vacation home. Ooh. All right, so the vacation home is very, very important to you. Uh, I might pull out of somebody else's and maybe, maybe it's an outfit, right? And it just represents the wardrobe. It represents all those trips to the Mall of Millennia so that you can look good, right? And here's the thing. I can already sense that some might be starting to attribute some, uh, some morality to this. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying that we all have things and we might pull out for others and it may be uh, some sort of uh, sports equipment and it might represent that, that there's something about that that's very, very important to me. For some, we may pull out some other area uh, of a hobby. For some, it may be, uh, you know, fine dining or, you know, just uh, for some, we may pull out it may be travel, uh, maybe it's family. For some, I hope for a lot of us, we're gonna pull it out and it's gonna be uh, the kingdom of God. It's gonna be a big picture of faith assembly. That'd be awesome, right? So for each one of us, it's going to be different. Our treasure is going to be different, but there is one, it's going to be very individual, but there is one part of each one of our treasure that's universal. It's going to be in every single person's life, Christian, non-Christian, we open up the treasure. And the one thing that we're going to find in everybody's treasure is your heart. That's what Jesus said. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The heart is always tied to the treasure. Can I say that again? The heart is always tied to the treasure. And so when I said, God, I wanna preach on the heart, and I plan to, he said, you wanna find their heart, look in their treasure. 
He says this in Matthew chapter six. We just, we just read that verse 21, but in uh, several verses in Matthew chapter six, he's talking a lot about treasure. He's talking a lot about resource and what we do with it and what resource might do to us. Uh, we find these verses, uh, Matthew chapter six, verse 19 through 24. And out of those few verses, I would just wanna ask you three questions today. I want you to be able to answer these three questions with confidence that your life is lined up with the word of God. And uh, the first question is this, and if you're, you're taking some notes, you can jot this question down, but my first question is this, where do you store? Where do you store? And I don't mean like grocery store, because some of you are like Publix or Aldi, like, that's not what I'm doing right now. I'm saying where do you store up your treasure? I'm saying where are you investing? Uh, he, Jesus said it this way, again, those same verses. This is right before he said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. In verse 19 and 20, he said this. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure. Let me just pause right now and look how Jesus said this. He said, store up for yourselves. Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Again, we don't speak this message to benefit the church. Um, pastor said last week, the church is healthy. The church is fine. Uh, there's been plenty of people that have been very, very faithful and they're very generous and we're able to do a lot of ministry around here because of that. So that's great. Jesus is saying, do this for you. Do this for yourself. That's our message too. We want you to be blessed. We want you to live a life that is obedient to God's word in every area. We want you to have an abundant life, uh, living for God, seeing God provide in every area of your life, and finances is one of them. So he says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. So he's saying, where are you gonna store? You're gonna store temporal, you're gonna store eternal, but you're storing in one or the other. So that's a tough question to answer maybe. Where, where do I store? I'm not sure, I'd have to figure that out. What's the formula? Let me ask it this way. Well, what do you value? Maybe that's a better way of asking it. What's your value system? And if that's still a tough question to answer, you go, I'm not really sure what my value, what's the, what's the you know, formula on that? What should I, how should I add that up? Here's what, I'll help you. Here's what I'm gonna offer to do. You're trying to figure out where you store, trying to figure out what your value system is. Here's what you do. Um, email me, and when you do, put in there which bank that you bank at. Uh, put in your username for your online account, your online banking account. Also include your password for your, uh, for your account. And then I'll take that and I'll log in. I'll take a look at last month's digital statement of whatever's going on. And when I do that, I'll start to get a real read for what you value. I'll start to get a real read for where you treasure. For some of you, I'll see it right off the bat. I'll see Ty, that first 10% belongs to God. I'll see that go there, I'll go, okay, mark that down. That's one of the, their, 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 that's their value system there. Look at there, I'll see some giving to missions. I'll see some giving to, to um, different ministries. Okay, well, look at this, man. Uh, I, I might see some different things going on. Now, before anyone does this, and hopefully no one already has, I'm kidding. I don't want you to email me your bank or your sign, or your, sign in or your, uh, your password. Matter of fact, if you get an email from somebody pretending to me be going, remember, this is Patrick Johnny and you were gonna send me. It's not me, all right? I don't want you to fall for that. I don't want it, all right? 
But isn't it true that I could tell a lot if I looked? And couldn't you tell a lot about me if you looked at mine? I mean, you could quickly tell me what I value. You could quickly tell me where, my, where I'm storing. And it's an, important, um, it's an important question for us to ask ourselves, where do I store? It's an important question that we would be honest about it. And for all of us, it's gonna be different. Matter of fact, if, if I did it this way, let's say in my pocket I had three crisp $1,000 bills. Now, they don't even make those anymore, but they did a long time ago, and they've taken them out of circulation, so if you have one, you should hold on to it. But let's say I had three $1,000 bills, and I went around, and I was going to give them out to one person each. We did it even at all the campuses, and so I gave one over here, and one here, and one over there. And then I started interviewing. I said, what are you going to do with your $1,000? Now, you can't do rent with it. You can't do utilities with it. You can't do some household, whatever. It's gotta be something just out of the norm. Something you wouldn't normally. What are you gonna do with it? I started interviewing people. Now, one of the first things I would hope to hear, matter of fact, I might grill them before I hand it out to make sure this is gonna be one of their answers. I think one of the things they would say is, well, the first hundred is holy. It belongs to the Lord. So I'm gonna give that. Uh, I I think that'd be all right. I think if we made that a prerequisition, most of you would still sign up for the free thousand, right? Uh, So I think we'd get that out of there. So then we got 900 left to do with, uh, manage how we want. And I said, okay, what are you gonna do with it? And one person I may ask, and they may say, you know what, I think I'm gonna go on a little trip. I'm gonna do a little travel, do a weekend away and really splurge and have some fun. And, and that's fine. And somebody else in the room be going, well, that's not what I would do with $900, but whatever. All right, that's fine. That's what they would do with it. That's what I'm saying. I could ask someone else, say, what are you gonna do with your $900 that you have left? Someone might say, well, I'm gonna buy a phone. I need a new phone. Unfortunately, it'll take all of that $900 to get a phone. <laughs> and some of us are going, I would never spend $900 on a phone. I know, but some would. And then somebody else, we may go, what are you gonna do with it? And they may say, I'm gonna get like a couple pair of shoes. And some of us are going, oh, got two pair of shoes for that. But yeah, some people do. Some people spend four, five hundred, six hundred dollars on shoes. They do. And again, if you think I'm attributing some sort of morality to this right now, I'm not. What I'm pointing out is that everybody's value systems are different. And when somebody has a different value system, when somebody stores differently than you store, then you're never going to agree on what to do with money. Does that make sense? So if someone, if someone thinks completely different than I do about what's valuable, then they're gonna do different things with their money and I'm never gonna agree, I'm never gonna be in kindred spirit with somebody who has a different value system than me. So like even in the world, there may be people out in the world that go, I can't believe that you give 10% of your resource to the church. Well, of course they're going to think that because if somebody in the world cares about status like I care about stewardship, then we're not gonna agree on what we do with our money. Does that make sense? If somebody in the world cares about advancing culture, but like I care about advancing the kingdom, then we're never gonna agree on the two. So I am not surprised when people are cynical of those who support the church. When people are cynical, I'm not surprised if you have friends or family that think you're crazy because you you support the church and because you're obedient to the word of God. I'm not even surprised that people are critical of those who are called to manage those resources. And I can tell you that we do our best around here to manage those resources well, but it comes from a place of different value system, which is why Jesus said, you've got to ask yourself the question, where do you store? Store up for yourself. You're going to store it up on this earth. Is that what's going to be important to you? The, 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 the temporal, is that what's going to be important to you? Or is your treasure going to be stored eternally? 
And let me point out one thing that should make everybody in this room just a little bit, uh, make you smile just a little bit. In this, Jesus never planned on you not having treasure. Christ's plan is not to deprive us of treasure. It's just so that we would understand the true definition of treasure. Did you notice he said, "Store, store your treasure here or store your treasure there? But Jesus is under the assumption that you're gonna have some treasure. Amen, I'll take that. That means if I start to manage this thing well, uh, I'm gonna have something that I have to choose what I'm gonna do with it. And that was Christ's plan for you. So that's the first question I want you to ask. Where do I store? The second question would be this. What, uh, what do you see? What do you see? On the very next verse, after Jesus says, links the heart to the treasure, the very next verse, he says, the lamp of the body uh, is the eye. So it seems like it kind of comes out of left field here. The lamp of the body is the eye. Look at this. If therefore your eye is good, uh, the King James Version uses the word single. If your eye is single, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light in you is darkness, then how great is that darkness? Now I'll be honest with you. I have read this verse before. Um, I have heard this verse many, many times in my life. And I'll be honest with you, I've had a little bit of a, of a challenge uh, interpreting it. The, the exegesis of this verse has always been a little bit like, I'm not sure if I understand what's going on there or not. Um, but I will say this, that looking at it in the context that it lands, which context always helps us interpret scripture. Uh, you never wanna just pull one verse out and kind of build your whole theology. Look at, look at what's around it. So when we do that here, when we look at what's around this verse where Jesus starts talking about the eye and the lamp and the darkness and the lightness and whatever, if we look at what's around it, you know what's around it? Resource. You know what's around it? Money. You know what's around it? Valuables. You know what's around it? What money's gonna do to you, what you're gonna do with your money. It's all around this. And in the midst of all that, Jesus says, if your eye is single, if your eye's good, in other words, if your focus is where it needs to be, your life will be filled with light. But if you try, like instead of it being a single focus, if your eye is bad, and what's the opposite of a single focus would be some sort of duplicity where I'm trying to kind of look at two things at once. I'm, I'm kind of trying to go this direction with my life, but my eyes keep being drawn over here, drawn over there. If, if that's where I land when I'm, when I'm doing that, then I can expect my life to be filled with darkness. It comes down to focus. And so Jesus is saying, as it directs with our, with our resources, we've got to figure out what am I focused on? Where's my eye? What do I see before me? Because that duplicity, James talks about it. Uh, talks about that, uh, that uh, a heart that is divided, a, a heart that is uh, a, a, going two different directions. That person's unstable in all his ways. Uh, a du duplicity of mind is going to make us unstable. I like to think about it like this. Um, I, I fancy myself a pretty good driver, all right? I'm a, I'm a good driver. Some people that sometimes ride in a car with me may have a different opinion, but don't believe them. Believe me, I'm a pretty good driver. And through the years, though, I've gotten in just a couple little minor fender benders through the years, and it's been a long time. I mean, I don't remember the last time. It's been so long. But I can I remember some of them, though, and 
As I think back to a couple of the times that I've gotten in little fender benders and you know, when it all gets settled and the, 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 the law gets involved and they, they've come in and a couple different times and they've, they've kind of said, it's my fault. You know, like, okay, whatever. Um, they don't know what this person did in front of me, but now it's my fault. Okay. Uh, but on the, the last couple of times that that's happened, again, we're talking years. Uh, but I can remember driving my car one of those times and I'm going forward and that's the direction I wanna go and I got my hand on the steering wheel, but I looked back. I looked back to see what the lane over here was doing behind me and how fast they were coming on. And I looked back and by the time I turned back around, the lane in front of me had come to a complete stop. I didn't have time and I stopped and I, I bumped into the person in front of me. Another time it happened, I was driving years ago, my, my kids to school and uh, my, uh, one of my sons was in the seat there in the front seat and he was doing his homework, which that's a part of my parenting seminar I don't have time to get into, but homework on the way to school, it's, you know, you just wanna make sure they get it done before they get to school. It's just solid parenting, all right? Learn something, all right, here we go. So he was doing his homework on the way to school and he's like, dad, what's the deal? You know, I need what's helping this one. What's this? And so I looked down. I shouldn't have. I know. I, I looked down for a second to see what the question was on the homework. And when I looked up again, the lane in front of me stopped and I, I hit the front of the car. Some of you are doubting my, my, uh, my, my admission that I'm a good driver. No, trust me, I am. But, and it was like, it was those that, that that happened each time I'm trying to go this direction, but I'm looking this direction. Now here's our problem. We know what the word of God says, a lot of us, and we, we want to honor what the word of God says. And Jesus says, if your eye's good, life is gonna be good. If your eye's bad, we're gonna have darkness. Listen, we live in a culture that is constantly just trying to lure your eyes away. It's just, I think about it. I mean, with, with uh, everything in the media, all the social media, think about it, in all the entertainment area, uh, with all the marketing, this con... The, just messaging, messaging, messaging that says, buy this, you need this, life won't be the same without this, and if you own this, then you'll be in this level of whatever, and it's just everywhere we look, value this, and value this, and this makes you important, and this makes you popular, and this makes you look like you're wealthy, like all of these things, and this messaging is coming in, and so what happens is here we are moving forward, but then we start to look over here, and we start to look over there, and Jesus is saying, if you want a life filled with light, then there's got to be singular focus. It has to be, if I focus my life, amen. And if I focus even my resources on the kingdom of God and obedience to the word of God, it means my life's gonna be filled with light. Let me ask you a, a third question. The third question, maybe it's the most important one, I don't know. But it's this, who do you serve? Who do you serve? Um, before you answer that with the typical, like, churchy answer, and, and we could, right? We all know the Sunday, I call it the Sunday school answer. Like, who do you serve? And everybody go, Jesus. And I could go, who is it? And we'd all go, Jesus. And who do we serve? Jesus. It'd be awesome. We'd go out and like, oh, we'd be so happy. Um, but it may not be that simple because uh, Jesus referenced this whole um, temptation, this whole possibility that we could be trying to serve multiple things at the same time. And he says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. And then he says, you cannot serve both God and mammon. That's an interesting word there, mammon. 
That's the New King James Version. Um, you will find several uh, popular translations of scripture that instead of using the word mammon there, they, they use the word money as the translation. And while that's not necessarily, a, uh, it's not an improper translation of that word, I think mammon's probably the best translation of that word because it forces you into a bit of etymology. Like you have to go, okay, mammon, well, what, what, what's going on there? So mammon, the word mammon is a term that's used in the New Testament four times. Jesus mentions it three times. It's an Aramaic word, but um, the spelling that is used when Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon, the spelling that's used for mammon would imply that Jesus is referencing specifically a Syrian god which was the God of riches, the God of wealth, uh, a false God that was all about getting and wealth and riches, and that's what was the most important. And so when he said you can't serve God and mammon, he was probably referencing a false God that those hearers kind of knew what he was talking about. And they're like, oh yeah, the spirit, the God of mammon, the spirit of mammon. And so if Jesus was saying, look, there's a spirit of God out there, and then there's a spirit of mammon, a spirit of greed, whatever. If Jesus was saying that, then that means, guess what? Mammon is still looking for servants today. So we have to really take a real look at this and go, okay, Jesus is saying, I, I, I can't serve both God and man. I can't, and when he said serve, he, that, that word means like holy, like full commitment all the way. And so uh, God or mammon. And so we might hear that and go, okay, I got it, pastor. So money, serve God or serve money. So God's good and money's bad. All right, got it, money. I'm gonna put that in my notes. Money is bad. Uh, money's the root of all evil. Because that's what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. Money is not the root of all evil. Money isn't bad. Money is neutral, actually. I can do good with money, or I can do bad with money. Money's neutral, and money is not the root of all evil. Do you know what the book of Timothy says? That money, it's the love, the love of money that's the root of all evil. Well, now, okay, that kind of makes, that, that, that maybe is what Jesus was talking about here. I can't serve both God and mammon, and that can, that can creep into all kinds of areas of our life. This, this desire, this, this greed, it can just start to creep in. I mean, it can even creep in, think about it, it can even creep into our giving. There's a, a thing out there that's called the prosperity gospel that people reference. And what happens is people get out of balance with their teaching, in my opinion, and they can start to say, oh, uh, give so that you'll get, and give so that you'll get, and if you give, you'll get. You'll get rich, you'll get things, you'll get toys, you'll get whatever, and so give so that you get. You know what can happen real quick? We can stop serving God in that, and even in our giving, we can start to serve mammon, and go, riches is the answer. Listen, there is blessing that accompanies obedience in this area of your life. God's blessing, the windows of heaven open over your life when you're obedient in these areas of how you steward resource. There's blessings, and look, we believe in that all day long, but the motivation of our giving is not to get. We don't give to get around here. You know what, we, we get to give. That's how we, that's our motivation. It's an opportunity we have to give to the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. Um, he doesn't say that you shouldn't serve two masters. He doesn't say that you must not serve two masters. He says you can't. Here's what he's saying. I, I, would, I would like it to this. 
maybe some of you have, ex have experienced this in like uh, the professional world at your job. You might have a manager over you. And the manager says, I want you to do this and I want you to do it this way. And then maybe his manager comes through and he says, yeah, I want you to do this and I want you to do this this way. And it's the same. And you're like, all right, sweet. I'm serving both of them. And by doing this and doing it this way, this is how they both want it. That's awesome. And that's probably how it should be. But then sometimes some of us have experienced maybe this in a, in a job or in a workplace where your direct manager is going, I want you to do this and I want you to do this way. But maybe somebody over him comes through and goes, actually, no, I want you to do this and I want you to do it that way. And you know what happens in that moment? Now I've got to make a decision. Which one do I serve? I got to love one and kind of hate the other now. I got to be loyal to one and kind of despise the other. It's forcing me to make a choice. Now, as long as those two managers ask you to do the same thing, I can kind of serve them both. But at some point, their direction is going to contradict. Now, when we talk about the spirit of God or the spirit of mammon, here's the problem is sometimes it can almost seem like they're calling us to do a very similar thing. Let me, let me put it like this. Maybe we'd, we would hear from the spirit of God, uh, be a hard worker. Like work hard, but you know what? We'd, we'd probably hear that from the spirit of mammon too. Maybe we'd hear from the spirit of God, provide for your family. And maybe we'd hear from the spirit of mammon too. Yeah, yeah, be a provider. And maybe we'd hear from the spirit of God, come on, like make, make something of yourself and, and be successful and increase your influence and, and your, your role wherever you are. And maybe the spirit of mammon would say that too. Be faithful, don't miss, don't miss stuff, like be where you're supposed to be. Maybe we'd hear that from the Spirit of God and we'd hear that from the Spirit of Mammon. But then what happens is at some point, they start to contradict. And at some point as we're trying to serve God, God says, my son, give me your heart. But Mammon says, no, 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 give it to me. Some point God says, be content with what you have. But then Mammon says, no, 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 grasp it everything. Do whatever you got to get it all. God says, defraud not, never lie, be honest in your dealings. And Mammon will say, no, I mean, even if you have to, have to lie and cheat your father, if it'll get you gain, do it. Mammon says, be charitable. I'm sorry, God says, be charitable, be generous. But Mammon will say, no, 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 hold on. Hold on to everything that you have. This giving's gonna be the loss of all of us. God's gonna say, don't worry about anything, but Mammon's gonna come along and say, no, 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 worry about everything. And when those two start to contradict, now I can't serve them both. And I gotta make a decision. Who am I gonna serve? So it's, po by what Jesus said, it's possible that some of us maybe have been serving this spirit maybe more than we even would want to realize. I mean, I, you know, we could say, how does that even happen? How did I get to that point of potentially serving this spirit of greed and this desire that riches is gonna satisfy me? Um, I would like to, I'd say it's probably not any one big, it's not like one moment you just woke up and said, I'm gonna be greedy today. I, I don't think it was like that. It's probably a series of small decisions. Kind of like, like a mini little mini candy bar. You know the little minis, the candy bars, the minis? I can, can I just get something off my chest and just confess something here in church? It's good to confess. Confession's good for the soul. Tuesday in our staff meeting, someone had delivered in a clear plastic bin a whole bunch of mini twigs. I don't know who it was. I don't know if it's an angel or a demon. I'm not sure, but <laughs> there in our staff meeting, and so they started passing that around and it went the opposite direction of me. And my eyes shot right on it. I was watching that thing go around because I was like, there better be some mini twigs in there when it gets to me. That's all I got to say. 
And there was. And I didn't take just one or two or three, four. I didn't take just five. Let's not talk about it. It's not about the numbers. No, but, and here's the thing. I buy a candy bar from time to time. Maybe like once a month on average, I buy a candy bar. And when I do, I never buy two. I just buy one candy bar and I eat the one candy bar every so often, right? And I don't ever go, I I'm, I'm, think I'm hungry for three candy bars. I just don't do that. I just buy the one. But there's something about the minis. And I grabbed like several and I ate them during staff meeting and they were so good. And then when staff meeting got over, I went and grabbed a couple more out of that bin. As a matter of fact, that plastic bin is now in my office with just a couple twigs left. <laughs> and you know what? I probably consumed more than a full candy bar's worth, but because it was little cute bites, didn't even really feel it, didn't even really notice it. Feel like the same thing can happen to us well certainly in a lot of areas of our life but can happen in this area of greed and how we steward our resource it's like we get one paycheck and we start to go man that's nice look at that number that's higher than than i've ever gotten before i could really do something now i could really start to lean on this i could really start to count on this and then from the paycheck then we get a promotion oh my goodness i got a promotion and then we get a whole new position oh my goodness i got this new position and now look at how much money's rolling in i start to lean on that start to rely on that start to kind of value that and then my commissions go up and then that's great then i can have a whole new career opportunity and then that starts to happen and and then i'm all this resource coming in all this increase coming in and without realizing it i can just start to lean on that kind of believe in that kind of value that I can even start to worship that first Timothy chapter 6 talks about when we get caught in that trap first Timothy chapter 6 verse 9 look at this verse those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That's not a life I want. Look at that, there's so much truth in that one verse. That desire to be rich can lead me into temptation. It leads me into a trap, into a snare. Look at it, into many senseless and harmful desires. Not just even in the realm of money, but it leads me into all kinds of craziness that leads me to ruin and destruction. And so then, I don't want that to be a part of my life. So how do I break the spirit of man? How do I get this temptation off my life? How do I keep from worshiping money? I'll tell you how. Instead of worshiping money, how do I keep from doing that? I worship God with my money. You wanna talk about breaking that off. That's what I love. Amen, watch this. That's what I love about tithing. That's what I love about giving God the first 10% that's holy to him is watch this. Every time that paycheck comes in, every time that increase comes in, every time that promotion or that commission comes in, whether it's every week or every two weeks or every month, the first thing I do is I say, okay, I could be tempted to start really leaning on this. I could be tempted to really start valuing this and start thinking that this is the answer for wrong. But instead of letting myself go there, the first thing I'm going to do with this increase is I'm going to give to God what belongs to God. And by doing so, I'm saying, God, you are my source. God, you're the one I trust. I don't, I don't trust in this stuff and I don't have a desire for this. I have a desire to honor you. And boy, God can trust a person with that kind of heart. He can. Honestly, that's why we clap around here when it comes to offering time. I tell you the truth. We clap around here because we're saying, you know what? Offering time's here. Number one, I got something to give, so that's worth clapping for right there. We're clapping, saying, God, and I worship you, and I'm thankful that you've called me to honor you with my life. And so, church, across all of our campuses, it's offering time. So let's just celebrate and thank God 
for being faithful to us. Let's thank God that we get to honor him in this area of our life. And I'm gonna give you opportunity to, to give. We're gonna pray in just a moment. Just ask God to bless this moment of worship. And if some of you have never, you've never tithed before, and um, I, I really sense that God's probably stirring somebody to try this, to step out and, and go for it. And, and you may see, you may sense really something break off of your life. You may sense a different outlook. You may sense a different vision, right? Because you're going to see something differently. You're going to start to store up in a different place. And maybe some of you that have been faithful in tithing, and I'm not trying to manipulate it. I just, I just, I did feel like as I prayed going into this weekend, I felt like God was going to speak to some people about just doing a, an offering above just to, because maybe there was just starting to be this, this sense of this spiritual kind of struggle in this area. And you're like, I said, I want to just break that off. And so you just hear from God. And again, there's not manipulation here. Uh, no one should be, no one should be twisted into giving. We should give what we've decided in our, where? In our heart. Oh man, I guess the heart. And the treasure are still tied together all the way to the book of Corinthians. Give what you've decided in your heart to give. So we're going to pray, and I'm going to give you opportunity to give. Um, if you have the church app, that's a real easy way to do it. Um, if you don't, you can go on a browser and just go to our, the website and, and do it that way. You can give cash or check if you want to do it that way. Um, there's receptacles as we leave at the service in just a moment. But we've got a couple minutes still before service ends, our normal time. We're early. And so let's pray, and then let's just take a few moments and honor God in our giving. Father, I pray that you'd receive this moment of worship, and I thank you for everything that it means. I thank you for everything that it breaks off of our life. I thank you that it just once again clarifies, signifies who we serve, and we do, we serve you. We put you in the very center of our vision right now, God. And I thank you that we're, as we give, you are a good bookkeeper, and we are storing up treasures for ourselves in heaven. So may your kingdom be advanced through our faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The Lord bless you as you give. close this service out. We just got something really, really important to do. Uh, hang with us for just a minute. There's a missionary by the name of David Livingstone. He died about 150 years ago. He was really one of the fathers of modern day missions. He was a Scottish preacher and God called him to the nation of Africa and he really gave his life uh, just to reaching souls in Africa. At the end of his life, he died there on the mission field. Um, and when he died, Word got back to England and they requested the body. They said, we want the body to be shipped back here. We wanna bury it at Westminster. His body is buried in Westminster, a beautiful chapel there in Westminster, London, England. Um, but there was some debate because the people in the 
village there in, in uh, West Tanzania, Africa, they didn't want to send his body back. They wanted to bury him there uh, outside their village. And so there was some um, conversation going on about it. And they finally came to the point that, okay, they said, we'll send his body back. But they did something before they shipped his body back to Britain. It's a little, it's a little uh, gruesome. But in his lifeless body, they made an incision in his chest. And they literally took out his heart. They went, they went out to this uh, big tree right outside the village that everybody knew of, and they dug a hole, and they put his heart there outside that village in West Tanzania. They buried over it, and they put a plaque there. It's still there to this day. Um, when they sent the body back to Britain, they sent it with a note. And they said, here is David Livingstone's body. But they said, his heart belongs in Africa. So that's where it is. Now, here's why I share that. If I were to ask the people closest to your life, where does her heart belong? Where does his heart belong? If I ask the people that knew you best, where's his heart belong? Um, I mean, what would they say? How long would it take them to get to maybe Jesus, or the kingdom of God? For, I mean, for a lot of us, it'd be like, that'd be the first thing that's the most important thing in their life. But maybe for some of us, it'd be way down the line. And maybe some of us, people would never even get to there. And listen, that's a dangerous place to be. If God doesn't have my heart, I promise you this, though we talked about managing resource today, God's way more concerned about his ownership of your heart than your money. There's no amount of money that you can give that's going to take the place of whether or not he owns your life. I promise you that. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thanks for joining with us in our pursuit of getting closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.